Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a whole new episode of Full See My Head. I am your host for the day, my co-partner in crime, uh, dealing with other things right now. But hey, I'm going to lead you to the ALDS Game 1 and Game 2 previews right here, 2023 ALDS. The Minnesota Twins swept the Toronto Blue Jays over there at the Twin Cities, and they will be taking on the defending champion Houston Astros. So the stage is set real quick with the postseason. Uh, Astros and Twins are going against each other for in the ALDS, same as the Baltimore Orioles and the Texas Rangers. Nationally, you have the Philadelphia Phillies and the Atlanta Braves, which I honestly think that one is probably going to be the best game to look at, really, besides these other games that, you know, if you're a Nationals fan looking at the Astros, the Braves and that Phillies game is going to be crazy. Uh, and then lastly, you got the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks shocked the world and defeated the Milwaukee Brewers. I know it busted my bracket, it busted Angels' little postseason bracket, but hey, all the teams in the NLCS, ALCS is still up in the air. Maybe we do get that correct, and we'll see one and two seeds going against each other. But title episode 135, like I said, ALDS game one and game two previews of the division series. But intro, I want to let y'all know, we're going to be talking about the observations at Astros practice, the ALDS pitching previews, which the Minnesota Twins have yet to still say who they're going to throw in game one and game two. But I'm I'm firmly believing that it's going to be Joe Ryan in game one and possibly Pablo Lopez in game two. He'll be on, uh, you know, on normal rest days. Uh, next thing you know, we'll have the predictions on the Astros 26-man roster. That will not be set until Saturday morning. And then lastly, my predictions. I got Angels predictions on the series against the Minnesota Twins. But before we get started... Observations at the Astros practice. I was there. I was able to look at what was going on. Um, pitching, pitchers were doing their PFPs usual. Hitters were doing their batting practice um, as well. Pitchers were doing their strength and conditioning kind of things, throwing bullpens. But honestly, looking at everybody's demeanor and looking at everybody's body language, everybody looked loose. They just looked loose. Vibes were immaculate. I mean, everybody was laughing, dancing, talking, uh, messing around with each other. It just looked like the boys just playing baseball. And that is good. They're, they looked like they're comfortable. They looked confident going into the series against the Twins, which is going to be a good series, I'd say. Uh, I'll put my predictions later on. But like I said, PFPs, you had Luis Garcia participate. He did not throw, but he participated still just to get the work in. You had Ryan Stanick. You had Ryan Presley, uh, Phil Maton, Framber Valdez, Jose Kitty. Those guys were able to participate in PFPs. If you don't know what PFPs mean, it is pitchers fielding practice. Uh, not all pitchers are athletes, but there are some in this league. Um and defensive-wise, you had Alex Bregman, Greg Kessinger at third, you had Jerry Pena at short. You had Mauricio Dubon in second and Jose Altuve in second. You had first base. You had John Singleton and Jose Abreu. Mauricio Dubon did get some work in the outfield as well with the outfielders. You know, Jordan got some work. Michael Brantley got some work. Jake Myers, Kyle Tucker, Chaz McCormick. So we'll, we'll be looking into a little bit deeper into the podcast. But batting practice as well was taking place. Um, listen, I'm, I'm going to say right now, Michael Brantley looks locked and loaded during, they were doing some live batting practice, which I'll talk about the pitchers and hitters that participated, but Michael Brantley just looked like a professional hitter at the plate. 
I mean, he was just calm, collected, made it look like it was an actual game. I mean, those live batting practice twos are like live game scenarios because you're not going to see 60 or 70 from a coach. You're going to be seeing a 90 plus. You're going to see 80 uh, with a sweeper or a slider or a curveball. So being able to get them live ABs is very important to these guys. And um, I mean, Michael Brandon just is the one guy that looked really stood out to me in this practice as well as Jordan Alvarez. I mean, Alvarez was smoking the ball. The ball was being smoked to lefts, left center, center field, right center, right. I mean, there was so many going into the second deck and even the first uh, in the right field stance. I mean, Jordan Alvarez is going to be the most important guy for this Astros line to get going besides Michael Brantley, which he'll probably be, if I had to guess, probably in the five or six hole, depending what Dusty Baker decides. Of course, you have Jose Abreu, you have Kyle Tucker, you have Jordan Alvarez right there in that middle part of the order, I would say. So great atmosphere right there from the guys that just looked like everybody was in play. Everybody was in sync. They looked like they were out there to do a job. So credit to the guys. Uh, but live batting practice, like I said, you had pitchers that thrown were Hector Neris. You had Rafael Montero. Brian Abreu, Parker Mashinsky, which he is a left-handed pitcher, if, if anybody had not know that, Joe Kunal, and Seth Martinez. Those were the guys that were out there uh, participating in the live BP. Your hitters, on the other hand, Jose Altuve, which he looked really good at the plate too as well. Michael Brantley, like I was saying before, Jeremy Pena, Chaz McCormick, Alex Bregman, Yiner Diaz, and John Singleton. These live batting practices are very important to these guys because, like I said, you're not going to see 70. You're not going to see 60 from, you know, your pitching coaches. You're going to see actual pitchers throwing 80 plus, 90 plus. And I mean, I'm already sound like a broken record. I just said that already. But it, it's just the importance of getting those live ABs in. You're able to recognize what pitch is coming. The play discipline is important. The plate vision is important. All those things come into account when you're at the plate during these live BPs. Chaz McCormick had said, you know, all to the media, he was saying that, yeah, we had some days off, which it was a well-needed week off for these guys. I mean, we talked about in our last episode that the bullpen was a little, you know, tax starting pitching as well. A lot of players just need some rest. You got to remember, these guys played all the way to November, I believe, in that World Series in 2022. So best believe. And then also as well, too, to mention the 2023 World Baseball Classic. Some guys participated in that uh, in that tournament. So very important for this guys to get that week. But back, back to where I was saying with Chaz McCormick, I mean, he said it himself better than anything. He said getting these live batting practice opportunities against these pitchers, you know, against like guys like Hector Neris, who's been one of the best relievers in the game. And well, at least this season, Brian Abreu as well, getting these live ABs was very important to this team. And it just shows with the preparation, if they look, you know, if they're on point, if they need to work on something, mechanics, things like that. That's very important as well. Friday, we're recording on this on a Thursday, but today is Friday. If you're listening to this, there is going to be another practice. Uh, the Astros will be out there taking band practice, uh, fielding practice as well. The twins also come into town and they will be on the field doing their thing. So, like I said, beautiful practice, 
everybody just looked great. Everybody just looked like they were having fun. And that's most important for these guys is, yes, you got to take care of business at your ballpark. And even Chaz McCormick also had said that they need to redeem themselves, not playing well at Minute Bay Park this season. And they got to do it here in the playoffs. But everybody looked great. Everybody was just vibe. Like I said, vibes were immaculate today. Let's talk about the preview now. Game one and game two. Dusty Baker had said it himself that Justin Verlander is going for game one for the Astros and game two will be Framber Valdez's game, which is really, I mean, it could be debate. It could be debatable, honestly, because Framber Valdez has been the ace this whole season for the Astros um, without Justin Verlander until they got him in the second half of the season for the trade deadline. And then Justin Verlander, I mean, too, he's been in these situations. He's been in the posting so so long from 2017, 2018, and they even taking it back more to his days with the Detroit Tigers. I mean, this guy has been in the brightest spotlight of them all, and the postseason just doesn't get any brighter than that. Well, you got to talk about the World Series later, but right now you got to set the tone in game one, and Dusty Baker, I just guess, felt like Justin Verlander was the first guy to go, and then – Framber Valdez for the second one, which, I mean, you could go either or. I honestly, my opinion, I thought they were going to go with Framber Valdez game one and JV game two. But, hey, Justin Verlander had a great week of the last regular season. So, Saturday, we have a 345 start time. You have Justin Verlander for the Houston Astros. And like I was saying, with the Minnesota Twins, you do not know who they're going to be throwing. But if I had to guess, because I feel like this guy hasn't been pitching a lot this, I mean, he's had a long break like I'm about to talk about Framber Valdez. I think it's going to be Joe Ryan for the Minnesota Twins. So I will go off of Twins, uh, off of Ryan's Twins stats in a minute, but let's focus on Verlander real quick. Last outing versus Arizona Lights Out. Command was a little iffy, but he looked good. Five innings, two hits, zero earned runs, three walks, five strikeouts. And like I said, this guy won AL Player of the Week. A great finishing job a great job he finished, actually, my fault with my words. He did a great job finishing the last part of this season. A critical game over there in Seattle that the Astros needed to win, and he was the first guy up in that series, and he shut the Mariners down. And then, obviously, too, against the D-backs, which that team is going to be, I mean, you just saw it right there. They just took down the Milwaukee Brewers over there in Wisconsin. Now they're going to be going on against the Los Angeles Dodgers, which is their NL West rival. But AL Player of the Week award to Justin Verlander, 2-0 with a 0.69 ERA. Nice. That's pretty nice, And if you know what I mean. 13 innings pitch, 5 hits, 1 earned run, 4 walks, 13 strikeouts. He carried a 116 opponent batting average to the teams he faced against, like the Mariners and the Diamondbacks. You got to remember, these guys, like the Mariners, I mean, they got good hitters on that team. Teoscar Hernandez, Julio Rodriguez being the main one, I'd say. Eugenio Suarez. But they're going to be guys that like to swing and miss like the other two, like I just mentioned, Teoscar Hernandez and Eugenio Suarez. Now look at the Diamondbacks, too. Corbin Carroll, one of the hottest rookies in the National League right now. Christian Walker, Gabriel Moreno. They, they have some tougher competition, too, on that side. A good lineup as well. Balance. You got speed. You got power. You got contact. They got it all right there. So well-deserving for uh, MLB to give Justin Verlander the AO Player of the Week. The thing with JV, he hasn't faced the Twins this year. He hasn't faced them. Um, you, if you remember, the Astros did face the Twins in, I believe, in April. 
I believe around April, uh, it, it was had to be like in the midweeks of April, but I know in the last part of May, they did face him because I remember that because I was getting married that week. So I remember those games, Justin Verlander wasn't a part with the Astros. He was obviously with the New York Mets at the time. And so it, it should be good because the Twins have yet to see JV and Framber Valdez this season, which we'll talk about Framber here in a minute. But with Joe Ryan on the other hand, like I said, this is my prediction. I think the, the Twins are going to go with him. If if not, then just ignore what I said because he could be possibly the Game 3 starter. He's going to start one of these games in this series. So just, just keep an eye out on that. But Joe Ryan's last outing at Colorado, this was back in September 25th. He threw five innings, eight hits, six earned runs, one walk, six strikeouts. He threw 91 pitches, 64 of them were strikes. So... He's had a long layoff, too, just like I'm about to talk about Framber Valdez in a minute here. He hasn't pitched about more than a week and a half. Of course, you get to throw your bullpens. Uh, you get to condition. Maybe he did throw some live ABs uh, during the wild card stand or, or even right now. I mean, you don't know. But his last two starts versus Houston. Let's talk about that here a minute. His career, he doesn't have great numbers. He has a 1-2 record with a 9 ERA. But April 8th. When the Astros went to target field, the Astros couldn't hit him at all. I mean, before that, it was Sonny Gray. He threw, I believe, like, I think the Astros combined for 16 strikeouts the first game, and then the second game was, like, about a double digits as well. But April 8, he, uh, he got the win in that game. He threw six innings, three hits, four earned runs, one walk, 10 strikeouts. Yeah, the four earned runs, you, you think about it, you're like, wow, you, you think that's a good game? But... He only gave he gave up a grand slam to yours truly, of course, if everybody does know, Jordan Alvarez. So three hits, four earned runs from that grand slam. If you take that away, he has a two-hit uh zero earned run game. Ten strikeouts, double digit strikeouts from this kid. So th this guy has the whip percentage, he has the swing rate, uh, things like that is gonna be contributing to his stat line. But May 30th, they come back to Houston. The Astros, I'm, I'm guessing the coaches had figured out a game plan to go against him this time around, and the Astros did get to him. Got the loss in that game, like I was saying. He went four innings, four hits, five earned runs, three walks, six strikeouts. Obviously, you see that game. You compare both games. The first game, he had one walk and ten strikeouts. This game, he had three walks and six strikeouts. The players were patient at the plate, but they were aggressive as well. Home runs were come by Alex Bregman and Chas McCormick, which I believe then at that time, I think that's going to be, I, I would like to see what's going to happen in game one for Chas McCormick. If he will be playing in that game, because if everybody knows Mauricio Dubon, I believe is Jay, you know, Justin Verlander's preferred center fielder, but you never know. It's the postseason. Anything can happen. You got to pay, you got to play your best guys on the field one through nine. So. That, that's my prediction with Joe Ryan. He's, he's going to come in there throwing with his sweeper. He's going to come in there throwing with his curveball. His fastball is dominant, but he hadn't had a good month of September. He finished the season really bad. He had a 2-2 record with a 528 ERA. He threw 30 innings. 32 hits were allowed. 18 earned runs as well. He didn't have a strong last part of September. He had a 267 opponent batting average. In August, it was just worse. He had a 359 opponent uh, opponent batting average. Be aggressive on the guy. Yes, you at the same time, you want to look at the pitches come into you, but 
if you could be aggressive and attack that fastball, which has not been good to him this last part of the month, by all means, be aggressive on it. If not, take pitches. This this team, the Astros have a great team that has played discipline and played vision when it comes to swinging the bat. Michael Brantley takes a lot of pitches. Alex Bregman works the count. Jordan Alvarez as well. Altuve has his days of working that count. So by all means, in my opinion, be aggressive on the fastball. Be patient. Make him come to you and make the count work. So that's my scouting report for Joe Ryan. Sunday's game now. You have a 7.07 start time. Like I said, we don't know who's going to be starting for the Minnesota Twins, but I do have a good understanding who it could be. And the Astros, of course, Framber Valdez. So let's talk about Framber Valdez. I mean, he had a good month of September. No lies about that. Uh, he did have a shaky start in his last outing, which it was against the Seattle Mariners at home. He threw four innings, five hits, three earned runs, five walks, seven strikeouts. He did throw 83 pitches. 49 of them were strikes. And if you remember in our last podcast episodes when it uh, in that Unplug Electric Factory, if you haven't heard it, it's on our YouTube channel. Of course, it's on our podcast platforms as well. The umpire was shaky for both sides. It wasn't just shaky for Framber Valdez. It was shaky, I believe, Luis Castillo or George Kirby, one of the pitchers on the other side too. I mean, he wasn't given the calls that were in the part of the line of the strike zone, which usually those are given. But you're going to have umpires like that, and it didn't help him. It just kind of he, – he chuckled a little. If you looked at him, he laughed about it. But there was times that you could see it was getting to him, and mentally it wasn't – it was it was kind of draining him at that time. But like Joe Ryan, he hasn't thrown since September 27 to that game against the Seattle Mariners. And when it comes to Sunday for that game, game two of the ALDS, it would be a week and a half since he has pitched – Um you know, from that time frame. So like I said, with, with Justin Verlander, he hasn't faced the twins this year as well, but you got to be optimistic about Framber Valdez in the postseason, at least from 2022. If you take away 2021 and the other years, well, 2020, he had a good year as well. But if you take away those and just focus on 2022, he was phenomenal, phenomenal through the whole postseason, even including the World Series. But his stat line from the postseason in 22, not counting the World Series, he went 2-0 with a 142 ERA, 5-2 and two thirds. Uh, oh, well, one of those games he went 5-2 and two thirds, four hits, two earned runs, three walks, six strikeouts. That was the first game of, uh, or the second game of the ALDS against the Seattle Mariners. The spotlight, the, the lights just brighter than it could be. It doesn't really phase him. To me, it's going to be very important for him on that pitch clock, which, you know, there's I don't know if it's really affected him this year, but pitch clock could be an affection. Um, mentally looking at, you know, the umpires are going to give you the call or not. He has to be physically and mentally strong through his start. If he doesn't be mentally or physically strong, it could be a long day for Framber Valdez. It could give momentum to the Minnesota Twins. And the next thing you know, you're looking at a even series or you're looking at a series that goes 0-2 in the Twins' favor, which later would go to Target Field in Minneapolis. So that's my sky report for Framber. Locked in and loaded. Don't be phased out of the moment. You've been there. You've done that. You pitched in the World Series. You got to be physically and mentally strong. So, like I said, to be announced with the Twins pitcher on Game 2, no one knows, but there is a firm belief 
that I mean the the Twins beat writer he had some scenarios for game ones and game twos. There's a possibility that Pablo Lopez could go game two on full days rest. Pablo Lopez, he did have a start in the wild card game, which was a crucial start for the Twins. You know, if you you get that first game in, you're you're riding, you're in the driver's seat, honestly. You're, you know, you have that game two cushion. If win, if you don't win, then you got game three. But Pablo Lopez, full confidence. He even said, you know, the pressure is the privilege. Going over there to Target Field with a Johan Santana jersey who had played with the Twins. Uh, they had that drought of 18 games of not winning in the postseason. I think they, I believe it was in 2004 that that was the last time they won. The last time they won a series was in 2002. So Pablo Lopez took advantage of that as motivation, boosted his confidence. Uh, like I said, that's what came out of his mouth. Pressure is a privilege. And he's going to come to Minute Maid Park, which in the postseason, the juice box is rocking. There's sometimes there, it, you know, there's days that it's not. But majority of the time when you go to Minute Maid Park, the fans are going to be behind your back. Um, you know, trying to get you out of your groove and things like that. But Pablo Lopez, let's talk about him real quick. Let's start versus Toronto. He looked good. Five and two thirds, five hits, one earned run, two walks, three strikeouts. Uh, just like JV and Framber Valdez, Pablo Lopez, on the other hand, hasn't faced the Astros since 2022 with the Miami Marlins. So he hasn't faced the Astros this year being in a Twins uniform. In the game against Toronto, he did throw 93 pitches. He threw 62 of them were for strikes. Uh, break, let's break down those those pitches he had thrown. 40 of them were the four-seam fastball. 30 of them were being the sweeper. 14 was the changeup or el cambio, if you don't know that that's Spanish for changeup. And then nine being the sinker. So I wanted to deep dive into, you know, see how... George Springer, Kevin Kiermaier, Bo Bichette, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. See how these hitters, you know, kind of faced them. I mean, it was a right-handed heavy lineup going against a right-handed pitcher. So all these these stats I'm going to read to you are balls in play. 11-4 seam fastballs. You're, he's averaging about 94 to 97 miles per hour. Three singles. Six of them were outs. One strikeout. One walk. He had the sweeper going as well. 10 on the sweeper were in play. That's averaging about 84 to 86 miles per hour. Eight outs, one single, one strikeout. So now you got two, two more pitches that we had talked about. He had two changeups that were in play. That's averaging about 89 to 91 miles per hour. He had one single and one strikeout. And then last but not least, the sinker. He had two in play, being 95 and 96 average, um, one walk, one hit by pitch. So I wanted to look on StatCast. Let's see, you know, the opponent batting averages against these types of pitches because one peak could be good and then one could be very, very bad. So his top pitch is going to be the sweeper. Obviously, you saw, like I had mentioned, 40, 40 pitches were forcing fastballs and 30 of them were sweepers. Just right there, that's 70 pitches of the 93 pitches he pitched in the game. So he's going to be working with the four seam and the sweeper, I would assume, this whole game. Um, the opponent batting average for his four seam fastball is a 268. The sweeper, best pitch. I'd say this is his best pitch. 
He has a 173 opponent batting average off that pitch throughout the whole regular season. Hitters have just had trouble finding on that pitch, swinging at that pitch, putting that pitch in a better uh, scenario than having it in play in the outfield being a fly out or a pop out into the infield or a ground ball or rollover, things like that. So he's had very great success in that pitch. If you look at the game against the Toronto Blue Jays, he is not afraid to throw that pitch to left-handed hitters. He will put a backdoor sweeper onto that outside part of the plate and make that umpire call that pitch a strike or, you know, a ball ball is in the umpire's core at that point. But the changeup on the other hand, 257 opponent batting average, and then the sinker 278 opponent batting average. My thing for this guy, my scouting report, as I would say, feast off the four seam fastball. Just like I was talking about Joe Ryan, you got to do the same thing. Be aggressive on, on Pablo Lopez and make him pitch that ball to you in the strike zone. Don't swing out of anything, um, as well as the sweeper. Don't don't spit on that sweeper that's going to bite down at the last minute or break onto the outside corner, you know, as it tells away. Be patient at the plate. Don't chase. Things like that's going to make this team very effective in this postseason. If they don't chase, which you're, there's going to be some times that these players, I'm pretty sure, are going to be chasing the ball. But if the chase rate is not, you know, very positive and very, like, 74%, 75 80 90% like that, you should be having a good game. So, obviously, forcing fastball, that's where you're looking at the plate. Adjust to these off speeds being the sweeper and the changeup. But I think, like I said, the sweeper's his best pitch. He's going to try to make you swing and miss a lot. Uh, I didn't get the swing and miss numbers. I wish I should have. I could have uh, done that. But, like I said, forcing fastball, be aggressive, attack the ball, put the pressure, really put the pressure on the team, put the pressure on the defense, make some plays. Jorge Polanco at third. I'm not sure if Royce Lewis is going to be playing third. He's been dealing with a hamstring injury, which game one was the Royce Lewis show, if you did not see that. And I had talked about it on our last episode. If Royce Lewis is healthy, this kid, I mean, if he even has runners on with on all bags, you know, third, second, and first, and he's coming to the play with a grand slam opportunity, he has five grand slams this year. That is crazy. But make, you know, put the ball in play. Make this defense work. Obviously, everybody knows about Carlos Correa, about his platinum glove. Uh, the Astros know about his demeanor, his leadership onto that team. But put the ball in play. Make that defense work behind him. So it should be an interesting series. I think it's going to be a great series. I'll have my predictions here in a minute. But speaking of predictions, let's predict about the Astros' 26-man roster. The roster has not been set. Like I said, it will be set, I believe, on Saturday morning, like I was mentioning and it should be interesting to see what the Astros are going to do. Either, you know, have some some pitching help or they're going to, you know, stick with a with another utility guy or an infielder, an outfielder, things like that. You got to, you know, you got to look at into. But real quick, before we get started, Brian McTaggart, the Astros beat writer, of course, uh, we're not even going to talk about that whole situation with the Texas Rangers and Chris Young about the party and, you know, all that stuff. We're not going to get into that. That's old news. Brian McTaggart is a great guy, uh, one of the best at his thing, best journalism. He's not classless. Let's, let's just say that. But getting off topic, Brian McTaggart had the opportunity to talk to 
general manager Dana Brown. And Brown had told McTaggart about the roster situation, how it's going to look and how it's going to go. He said, and this is Brown's words, he said, Astros have narrowed the postseason roster down to the last four spots. They're still weighing whether to decide to carry 12 of 13 pitchers or the Astros have typically carried 12 pitchers in the American League Divisional Series, but they're weighing that against an extra bench player. Very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, remember, this is Dana Brown's first time being the general manager with the Astros. Uh, of course, he was with the Atlanta Braves. He wasn't a general manager, but he was the VP of scouting and things like that. So real quick, this is my predictions on the Astros 26-man roster. Uh, this is not the final. If When we hear about the final, we'll let you know. But this is my predictions on the 26-man roster. Catcher, you're going to have Martin Maldonado, and you're going to have Yiner Diaz. You always have to carry a backup catcher no matter what. And then plus Yiner Diaz too. His bat is really good. If if they if they get into a situation that they're going to need his bat for some reason, then by all means, Yiner Diaz is the guy. Let's move on to the infielders now. You have Alex Bergman. You have Jeremy Pena at short. You have Jose Altuve at second. You have Jose Abreu at first. So these are my reserves. I, I feel like this is where the team's leading. I feel like there could be a player I'd say to put instead of another player, which we'll talk about here in a second. But John Singleton, he's going to be the backup first baseman. He's going to get in just for the fact that, yes, we need a backup. The Astros are going to need a backup first baseman just in case, you know, some something happens to Abreu, which knocking on wood right now that nothing happens. But, of course, too, the lefty situation. He's a left-handed hitter. The Astros don't have left-handed hitters in their lineup. so. Besides, you're going to see Michael Brantley, you're going to see Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez who are going to be starting. You need a bench player just in case in a situation that Dusty Baker feels like he needs a left-handed bat in one of the, you know, one of the game situation in the one of the game situations. My next one, which I don't really believe that he, you know, by all means he could be in, he couldn't, but I feel like you could lead to another direction. But a possibility that Greg Kessinger is going to get the call to be on, you know, to be an extra bench player um, for the infield. Why? Because he's been with the team for a good while uh, throughout the regular season with, you know, if Alex Bregman needed a rest, then Greg Kessinger was there. You've seen sometimes when Jerry Pena or Jose Altuve were hurt, uh, if they were day-to-day or they just needed an extra rest day, Greg Kessinger came, came into being that, guy in place and play some of those games. So there, that's why I feel like Greg Kessinger is probably because of his glove. He's going to be in the 26 man roster. So, which for me, I feel like it could be David Hensley because if you remember, David Hensley was a part of the Astros roster last year, uh, especially in the DH role with Trey Mancini was again, nothing going. Aladdin's Diaz wasn't getting again, uh, was not getting nothing going as well. Uh, David Hensley was the guy, but it could be him or it could be Greg Kessinger. That's where my, you know, my debate right there would be outfielders, which I don't think anybody else would be on there. You have Jordan Alvarez, Michael Brantley, Chaz McCormick, Jake Myers, Kyle Tucker. Could be a possibility you could put Corey Jokes in there, but I, I don't think he is going to make it. He did have a good first part of the season, but uh, may- maybe for his speed, he could come on. You never know. 
But that, that's my prediction. Starting pitchers, I say it's going to be Framber Valdez. It's going to be Justin Verlander. It's going to be Christian Javier and J.P. France. Brian McTaggart had also sent out a tweet saying that Dana Brown had mentioned that Jose Arquiti is going to be working out of the bullpen. And speaking of bullpen, let's talk about their relief pitchers real quick. Jose Arquiti being one, Hunter Brown, Ryan Stanek, Rafael Montero, Phil Maton, Hector Neris, Brian Abreu, Ryan Presley. If I had to guess, if one of these guys were to come out and not be on the roster, I would say Hunter Brown. Nothing against Hunter Brown because he's had a good season. But the last part of September, it, it's been very rough for him. And we're not going to sugarcoat it or anything like that because it's been, it's been rough. Um, it, it's his first full season on a major league roster. Of course, you remember last year he was brought up in September uh, to be with the Astros. He was called up. But this is his first season, a lot of season highs, a lot of career highs and in innings, um, all these other things that come into effect. But if I had to not one out, it would most likely be Hunter Brown. So real quick, well, we'll talk about the 26-man roster uh, one more time. You got catchers, Martin Maldonado, Yiner Diaz, infielders, Alex Bregman, Jerry Pena, Greg Kessinger, Jose Altuve, Mauricio Dubon, Jose Abreu, John Singleton. Outfielders. Jordan Alvarez, Michael Brantley, Chasm Cormick, Jake Myers, Kyle Tucker. Starting pitchers, Framber Valdez, Justin Verlander, Christian Javier, J.P. France. And last but not least, the relief pitchers, Hunter Brown, Jose Arquiti, Ryan Stanek, Rafael Montero, Phil Maton, Hector Neris, Brian Abreu, and Ryan Presley. Send us your thoughts. Send us your comments. Um, of course, we'll have our YouTube page out there. Uh, let us know. What do you think? What, what do you predict? Which player has the more advantage of another player? Do you see this pitcher being better than this pitcher? Um, you know, you got Seth Martinez. You got Parker Mashinsky, which the Astros don't have a left-handed reliever in the bullpen. But you've seen prior years, even last year, that they didn't carry a left-handed uh, reliever in that bullpen. So let us know your thoughts. Let us know if you have a particular player in mind that could be on the roster uh, that I that I did not predict. Then, like I said, this is my prediction. This is my thoughts. When we get a full 26-man roster, we'll post it and we'll let everybody know uh, what's going to go on. Last but not least, we have the predictions on the series of the ALDS series. Um, obviously, if you if you had seen our predictions of the postseason, we have the Astros going. Most likely seeing if the Astros could do back-to-back -back World Series champions for the first time since the 99-2000 Yankees, I believe. It's possible. It's very possible. You never know, uh, especially in this game of baseball. But for the predictions, I'm going to say the Astros in four. Minnesota's a good team. I'm not going to say they're not. But if I had to pick a weak link in their organization right now i feel like i'm i'm leaning towards the offense kind of point the twins struggle too with runners in scoring position against the blue jays in both those games game one they only scored three runs like i said it was the royce lewis show by all means i'm happy for him because he's been battling a lot of injuries throughout his journey uh journey through the you know through mlb number one pick for a reason Shout out to him. He, he, you know, besides talking about the Astros and things like that, but just the story about this guy, it's phenomenal. If you haven't gone to look at him, I, I would recommend you 
looking at Royce Lewis. So anyway, getting off track, game one was the Royce Lewis show. Game two, they only scored two runs. One being off of Carlos Correa's RBI single, which I honestly felt like Boba Shed had a play on it if he was playing a little bit more towards the back, but obviously it didn't go that way. Got an RBI off of that. And then starting, not starting Castro, uh, Willie Castro for the Twins hit into an RBI double play. So in the total runs in this series, they only scored five runs. I'm not going to say their offense is bad because their offense is, I mean, it's, it's very decent. Carlos Correa has that experience in the postseason. Royce Lewis looks like he's starting to swing the bat very well. Jorge Polanco, you can't sleep on him because he's had a great second half of the season for the Twins. Uh, Max Kepler, you know about him. He he has some pop in him. Uh, Alex Kirloff. That, I mean, they have a lot of good guys on that lineup that, that could do some damage. Of course, you got Christian Vasquez, too, which it'll be interesting if Rocco Baldelli uses him in a DH role, if he puts him in the catching position because Ryan Jeffers right now has been the – the number one catcher for the twins, at least these last two games in the American League wildcard. So that's why I kind of give the Astros that advantage of saying the Astros in four, just because of the Astros offense. I mean, there's no secret how the offense has played through the season there. I mean, they've struggled with the runners in scoring position, but when this team gets going, they get going. You see them score eight runs. You've seen them score double digit runs, multiple games. They've done that. So if they start clicking in the beginning of the game, then it's going to be a quick series, I believe. It could be Astros in three. But by all means, I, I think, too, the Twins have a great pitching staff. I mean, starting pitching, Sonny Gray has, I think, the top, the lowest, either the second lowest ERA in the American League just behind Garrett Cole. Pablo Lopez is a good pitcher. Joe Ryan's another good pitcher. Bailey Ober is a kind of their... They're their sneaky guy because he, he he's a great starting pitcher. I believe he's a rookie this year as well. He He's had some great starts for the Twins. And then, of course, you got Kenta Maeda, which the Astros are familiarized, at least Altuve and Bregman, uh, from their days in 2017 against the Los Angeles Dodgers. If everybody remembers that home run that Altuve had hit. So I'll, I'll say that, that the I, I feel like the Astros' offense is better than the Minnesota offense i'd say the Astros bullpen is better than the twins bullpen as well which the twins they got a guy johan duran if you're not seen him pitch 103 miles per hour off the mound that's a gas so by all means the twins i do believe the twins have the upper hand kind of on the starting pitching but at the same time, too, I feel like the offense for the Astros is just too good to be true. So Astros in four. I asked Angel, too, what he thought real quick about his predictions, and he had said the same thing. He says Astros in four. So by all means, this is going to be a good series. It's going to be a great series. Uh, Minute Maid Park is going to be loud and you know rowdy. The crowd's going to be, I believe it's sold out with the tickets as well for games one and game two. Chaz McCormick had said it himself, redeem. The team has to redeem themselves from that losing record at home that they had this past season at Minime Park. I believe the Astros could do it. You, you've given these guys enough rest, which two rest could be in effect that, you know, not seeing a lot of pitchers pitch, but at the same time too, these guys have this postseason experience now. No doubt about it. Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, Jeremy Pena, ALCS and World Series MVP. I, I, like I said, 
my X factor is going to be Jose Brave. He could if he starts hitting in the middle part of this lineup, this lineup is going to be dangerous in the American League. That's if he starts hitting. So we'll have to see about that. Of course, uh, this was our game one and game two preview. We'll give you the recaps for for those games. And as well, we will give you the preview for game three. Uh, so look, look for Monday morning on um, you know on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. But that's the end of our show. Plain and simple. Um, you know, thanks to everybody that stood by me and listened to me listen to me throughout this whole podcast on a solo host for today, but continue to follow us at, on full steam ahead on Twitter, TikTok. Of course, we still got our YouTube channel, which we're, we're, we're doing pretty good. I wish we could get more subscribers, but uh, if you, you haven't subscribed, hit that subscribe button. Then you could get all the latest info on our videos, Instagram, FSA, full steam ahead. You were on threads. We're still there. We're still there. Uh, but of course, the podcast platforms as well. We got Spotify. We got Apple. We got Google as well. But until then, like I said, guys, um, have a great weekend. Hopefully, if you're going to the ballpark, cheer as loud as you can for the Astros. If you're an Astros fan, if you're not at the ballpark, by all means, go to a local restaurant. Go to one of your local uh, places that you always hang out with, with a group of friends, with a group of family. At the house, even better. You save money. But at the same time, too, continue to cheer those guys on if they want to get back to that world series and win back to back they're going to need help from the fans um not not like the tampa bay rays which it was very unfortunate by the way Nineteen thousand for those games oh man that, that was bad but be out there if you're going to go out there have fun stay positive stay safe especially in the weekend and we'll give you that recaps of game one and game two and get you that preview for the other game but until then see ya Stay safe.